Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed in this season. You're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. It's Second Peter 3. We're getting close to the end of that. And uh, I've been studying all week and praying all week for this part of the day right now to try to bring God's word to you. And I'm thrilled that you're here. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn there. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Um, we're going to be starting in, uh, I think, verse 4 in just a second. Uh, the message today is about time. And the thing that is strange about time is that on the one hand, we know scientifically that time moves at an even pace. I can see a clock right now, and each second is the same amount as the one before. And so on the one hand, we know that scientifically time moves at the same pace. On the other hand, we experience time in very different ways depending on what's going on. Like, uh, here's what I mean. Uh, I'll never forget this. May 13th, 2004, uh, I, back then I hated the Los Angeles Lakers. And there was this guy, Derek Fisher, and there was 0.4 seconds on the clock. So not four seconds, four tenths of a second. And he caught the ball, turned, and shot in that .4 seconds at the buzzer to win against the San Antonio Spurs 74-73. .4 seconds was enough for a whole bunch of stuff to happen. Yet right around that time, 2004, I uh, remember I was also in a physics class that I swear to you was three years long. <laughs> they was, the guy was up there talking, and I don't know what he was talking about, but I remember I was sitting there thinking, I will be dead before the bell rings. This is, can I get a win? Can I get, yeah. And that's what's about time is that it, on the one hand, we know scientifically that it's always moving at the same pace. And on the other hand, we experience it very different depending on what's going on. That is what is going on in our text in 2 Peter 3. Uh, Bobby did a great job teaching us last week about the scoffer, and we're picking it up right here where he says this, the scoffer is talking. He says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Pause. So the scoffer says, Jesus Christ is coming back? Jesus Christ is coming back? Since I've been here, it's been the same, you know, uh, spring, summer, fall. Where are we at, by the way? Are we happy that fall's here or unhappy? Where are we at? Kind of give me just like a, okay, oh, awesome. Yeah, good. Because if it's like this next Sunday, we're having that brunch outside and you're going to wear a sweatshirt and you're going to be happy about it. So let's just get that clear. That was a little more authoritative than I meant. But I, the scoffer's like, it's been the same. It's been the same. Nothing that much changes. You know, I woke up yesterday, maybe you did too, and I saw that there's this, uh, uh, in the Middle East, Israel and Hamas, and they're at war in Palestine, and that's something that as Christians we should, 
be paying attention to and thinking about. But if we just zoom out, it's like, and I don't mean this in a crass way, oh, they're fighting in the Middle East, are they? Just like they were 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago. And there's this temptation. What the scoffer says is what? You mean Jesus Christ is coming back? Well, no. It, since the fathers fell asleep, they're pointing at the, that when he says the fathers, he means the patriarchs. That's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. He's like, since George Washington died, it's just been the same thing over and over and over and over. Uh, don't let the long days blind you. This is what I came to say today. Jesus is in charge, and judgment day is coming soon. There is this intense temptation to think that because things have been like this for a long time, they're always going to be like this. That it's always going to be sort of just kind of like how it is right now. This is the natural and the supernatural start to interact here. What our schooling teaches us and what the Enlightenment brought to Western thought is this idea that everything that is real or true can be explained by science. And so what we say to ourselves, what the scoffer says is, it's just going to keep being like this. It's, uh, actually, I learned about this. It's a phenomenon, uh, like a, a belief system called chronocentrism, which a lot of people who don't know that word fall into. And it's the mentality that things will always be just how they are right now. Uh, it's bonkers, but Kristen and I uh, often now will be around parents of like real young kids. You guys kind of back over there. So we see y'all back there. Great job. And I remember when it, we were in the, they're always up super early and every little part is something that we're juggling or managing or trying to get them to sleep. And I remember, can I get a witness, anybody in the room, when you're in that stage, it feels like it's going to be like this forever. Can I get a witness anywhere in the room? And then all of a sudden, it's like, I'm just hoping they went to bed after I fell asleep. It's kind of like we're, and with our politics, with our, with all these different things, we fall into this mentality of thinking it's always going to be just how it is right now. And the scoffer is using that to convince us that judgment day is not coming. That's the next verse, verse 5. For they deliberately, the scoffer deliberately overlooks this fact. If you do something deliberately, did you do it by accident or did you do it on purpose? purpose. They are purposely overlooking this fact. That the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and through water, key part, by the word of God. So he's going to build an argument for why this way of thinking that it's always going to be like this is foolish. His first point is the world was created by the word. Don't miss it. The universe didn't just end up like this. Uh, I'm about to confess to you maybe the most old person thing about me, which is uh, right out this way. Um, my office looks out the window to this big tree, and this big tree turns bright red in the fall. And I've been looking out the window, and I can't wait till I get to look at this bright red tree. I'm about 30 years too early to be looking forward to that, it feels like. But creation, and this time of the year when you live in this climate, there's just it, the beauty's all around us, isn't it? The beauty's all around us. And the creation is screaming all the time. Creation screams creator. I better figure out who that creator is. And we don't ever want to be harsh or unkind in our attitude towards people who don't know Jesus. 
but we can be honest and say, you have to be deliberately overlooking reality to look at creation and not see that it screams a creator. Everything about the beauty of the sunset and the changing leaves and the changing of seasons and the sky on a night, everything about it screams, someone made this. And the astonishing truth, no matter how many times you've heard it, he says here, the heavens existed, the earth was formed by the word of God. God made the world, it's obvious. Now he goes to the second part of his argument. Verse six, he says that by means of these, so that when he says that, he's saying by the word of God again, by the means of these, the same way that the world was made, here it is, the world was then, that was then existed, was deluged with water and perished. <clears throat> okay, so see it? So the argument was, it's always been like this. And the way that Peter is defeating this argument is by saying, no, it hasn't always been like this. First, the world didn't always exist. God made the world, one. Two, a while after he made the world, he sent water to destroy the world, to kind of like reset things. That's what he's saying. Uh, this is from Genesis chapter 6. I talked about this a little bit recently, but this is a significant verse uh, in the Bible where God says that he is sorrowful that he made, I think we have this in the slides, he was sorry that he made man. He's done. He's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to blot man out. They've done enough. I'm done with the creeping things. I would, would have been fine without the creeping things to begin with. I don't know about you. And the birds, God was brought to sorrow because of the sin of man, so he destroyed the whole thing just Noah and his family and the ark. What's fascinating uh, about Noah and his family and the ark is, you may not know this, but uh, did you know that every civilization around the world has in its origin story evidence of belief in a flood? Uh, I got a map I brought, I know you love a map. And it's, it's just like all of a sudden we went up a notch. Every one of these civilizations you see it covering our world, when archeologists look into it, they find that they have this way back before we were here. It rained and rained and rained and flooded and the world was destroyed. The reason for that is because one, it really happened. And because Noah's sons and grandsons spread out across the world after the Tower of Babel. And so this story of how we got here exists everywhere. This is why in Genesis chapter nine then, it's important that God promises, okay, so we did the water thing already. So we reset, we're starting over, and I'm going to remember that. So I'm not going to destroy the world again by a flood or by water. That's what he's saying. The world was flooded by the word of God, he's saying. Don't miss it. And then the third part of his argument is in verse 7. He says, now by the same word, so the same word of God that made the world, flooded the world, verse 7, that same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for not water, but see it, fire being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. The same word that made the world, flooded the world, is coming again to destroy the world, the word of God. That word there, uh, stored up, is the idea of saved for the precise moment of destruction. Uh, I heard it, they were saying it earlier, the teen crew is having a bonfire tonight. And uh, we have some fantastic firewood that someone in the church came by one time this summer and donated. And if we were like doing a Pixar movie, 
the anthropomorphic firewood, maybe having a great old time on the pile around the back, not realizing that they haven't escaped destruction. What's firewood on a pile? It's being stored up for the right moment where it will be burned with glee while all the teenagers eat marshmallows and flirt with each other or whatever they're going to do tonight. That's what we did. I don't know. That's what we used to do at bonfires in my day. I don't know. Uh, where do you want them to go? A bar? They're at church. Give them a break. It's fun. Just because judgment hasn't arrived yet doesn't mean judgment isn't eventually on its way. I remember uh, like when you were college age, did you ever have that friend who got a credit card without like totally understanding how it worked? And they didn't realize that like eventually the bill was coming. It's just like, so you had the fun time when you like first got it. When we were like, the limit's like $400 or whatever when you're like 18 years old and you don't really like understand that just because you keep getting the chicken wings for now doesn't mean that eventually a piece of paper isn't coming to the mailbox and it's going to have to be dealt with. This is the state of the world that we live in gleefully sinning as though the bill will never come due, as though judgment will never arrive. And so Peter is saying, do you get it? The word of God made the world. The word of God reset the world at the flood. The word of God is going to come one day and destroy the world. And this point isn't to be fearful, like as though there's nothing we can do about it. It's just this. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now he goes a slightly different direction on the same point when he says this. So don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, come here, Austin. We've gone from temporary uh, people in the sermons to a permanent one, so he's, gonna, he's the guy now. I'm the guy. Just, I just, I love the way standing next to him makes me feel slim, so I just thought I'm going to put him in all the sermons. So, we're, this is beautiful. When I studied this week, it came to me. He says, uh, Peter's a person, if you know anything about him, he's a person of passion and intensity. And he says, now don't overlook this one fact. Look on the screen. What's the next word? But don't overlook this one fact. And that word has the idea of dear friend or a, uh, we're cherished partner. And it's like, Austin, I've known you, like literally I've known you for your entire life almost. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of ministry together and a lot of known you a long time. And it's like Peter's pausing for a second to say, he's putting his hand to a person's face that he cares about. He's using touch. He's using eye contact. He's using intensive affection to communicate to his listener. Don't miss this one thing. Don't miss this one this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and, and a thousand years is like one day. He's trying to tell us that our understanding of time is very limited. Our understanding of time is very limited. Don't miss out on that. He's echoing uh, Psalm chapter 90 and verse 4 says the same thing. It says that for a thousand years in your sight, is as but yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. Uh, we're used to hearing numbers in our day with billion and trillion attached, but in the original languages of that time, a factor of a thousand was kind of like the max that their language contained. He's saying, do you not understand that to the Lord, this very second is the same as the span of your entire life? 
Do you not understand that like, just that moderately awkward silence where we all wondered if the baby was gonna cry while it was quiet is as long as all the time that humans have ever been on this planet to God. That means something important that we're gonna get to. But just pause one second here. Because God is outside time, he sees things in a different way than we see them. His perspective allows us to see things differently than we do. Just the same way as a parent can see the life of their teenager in a different way than they can because time produces perspective. Just in the same way that every person I know over the age of something or other keeps tapping me on the shoulder saying, enjoy the time with your kids now. This is a great time in your life. Why? Because what? Time gives perspective. I think we understand that in a human perspective, but God's time is so far above ours. Let me just try to convey this to you the best way I can. It was taught to me this way. Uh, the fact that God is outside of time, this is my best attempt to tell to you what it's like. It's like this. Uh, one of my favorite things that we get to do here at the church is uh, the, the parade in the summertime. Palatine Parade is really fun. No matter how much candy we have, it never is enough. And uh, we kind of go over here, and we take the good news truck, and we walk. And it's a ton of fun. I love walking in the parade. But what I learned about when you walk in the parade is that you don't get to see the parade. Because you're in the parade, you don't get to see the parade. What's crazy about the reality that God is outside of time is when, you know, the mayor and the important people are right up the street here finishing the parade. And we're back in the middle. Last year they put us next to, like, in between a, a Catholic group and an anti-abortion group, and they were kind of yelling back and forth. It can be intense. They put the churches in a weird place. Anyways... And then like the people that signed up late that they don't care about at the very end, God can see the end, the middle, and the beginning all at the same time. But not only that, God can look down on us in the parade and see the parade that happened in 2013 and 2003 and 1993 and 1983 and 2033 and 43 and 53 and who knows if they'll even have parades by then. He can look at the route and see all of the parades that have ever been at all the same time. You're back in that physics class I mentioned earlier. I understand. I understand. But this is what Peter wants us then to think based on this truth that God doesn't experience time like we do. It's like this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, I love this, like some people count slowness. But he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He says the Lord is not slow the way that some people count slowness. So we all have kind of like an amount that we can take of slowness before we lose it. I doubt there's one person in this room that struggles with impatience more than the person talking right now. Uh, I regularly order something in a drive-through and then get frustrated by how long the line is going and just pull out and leave. I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's complete lunacy. I, what's worse about the lunacy, I don't know if you feel this way, is when you can recognize the lunacy in yourself and you really struggle to contain it. 
So I don't know how you count slowness. Some of us are real chill. Some of us like are like, I don't know, it's 9.55. Can you get this thing done? I was hoping by 10.04 I'd be on my way, you know. However you count slowness, here's the great news. God doesn't fulfill his promise slow because he doesn't operate on your way of thinking about what's slow or what isn't slow. And then he makes this dramatic turn. It isn't great news that God is patient for all the sinners out there sleeping through church today who haven't figured out who God is. It's great news for you. It's great news for you. God is patient toward you. What does that mean? It means that God doesn't say after your third chance or fifth promise that you won't do it again or 10th time sitting in one of these rows saying, this is the time I'm going to get it together. He doesn't say, all right, enough already. This happens, right? I watch it. My kids play sports, and the coach is like, all right, we've told you this three times. You haven't figured it out yet. We're putting somebody else in. It happens at, it happens at work. We, we know this. It, like, it seemed like the other night if the Bears didn't win the game, that was going to be it. It seemed like they were all saying that if we didn't win, the guy was going to be out of a job. And we all have this sense that you get a certain amount of chances, and then you've run out of the certain amount of chances. The unbelievable, uh, overwhelming, we should be standing to our feet and shaking our fist to the sky, crying and laughing with joy, truth about our God, is that he is patient towards you and towards me. Why is he patient? Because the Spirit of God Put that verse back up there. Thank you. The Spirit of God is not rooting for people to fail, wishing that they would perish. The Spirit of God is desirous that all people should reach repentance. Now, right there, some people want to take that a real, like, intensive theological direction because they'll be like, well, if God wants people to reach repentance, why don't, they, why don't they figure it out? Like, if God wants them to figure it out, why can't they figure it out? Does that mean God doesn't have enough power? Well, it's just two different ways of talking about his will, right? Like a good teacher, a good teacher wants everyone to master the material and get an A in the class. But a good teacher knows that eventually after enough assignments, enough chances, enough it's got to be in by tomorrow's, it's dishonoring to the people who did the work to reward the people that didn't. And that's the two parts of God's will that, yeah, it is hard to understand. But I get it. God wants us all to figure it out. And some of us turn our backs towards him and refuse to. God's desire is that everybody would figure it out. God seems slow. Do you know, dear friend, because he's waiting for you. So don't miss it. We want God to hurry up and punish them. But we don't see that his patience is for us. Uh, this happens all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's just like when you're a pastor or what, but people are always trying to recruit me to their team of angst. Like, we're mad at the school board. We're mad at the referees. We're mad at the church that they came from. We're mad at the, the government. We're mad at the whatever. And people are always like, yeah, can you believe? Like, can you believe? Somebody like the other day was trying to tell me, like, it's not safe to go to hospitals anymore or something. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but, like, 
I'm around somebody and their heart stops beating, like I'm taking them to a hospital. I don't know what, like, I don't know what, I really did. I was like, I don't want to know even what you mean by that. But we have this desire for God to punish them. We like can't wait for the person that's a fraud to be found out. That one person that it bugs you, like I know they can't afford that car that they're driving. How are they driving it? Like there's that little part of us that's like, if they, we see it getting repossessed or they have to like sell, we're kind of like, oh wow, okay, wow. <laughs> there's that little part of us that's like, I can't wait for God to punish them, isn't there? Who can be honest enough to say we have that part in us? I have it, yeah. But the crazy news is, the fact that God doesn't give everybody else what they deserve right away, right when they deserve it, as soon as they deserve it, is the best news in the world for us because we're getting the same blessing, free chances. So then he says this. He says, uh, so he really gets to the bottom of the bottom line now when he says, but the day of the Lord, it'll come like a thief. How do thieves come? Thieves come suddenly quietly when you least expect it and the heavens will pass away with a roar just imagine what the sound i mean sometimes like the drums get going and that's why like, kind of like nobody really sits like right over here sometimes the drums get going it gets kind of loud in here imagine what the sound is going to be like when the sun and moon and stars are like immolating and being destroyed the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So the message today on October the, what is it, 10th? 8th? All right, cool, yeah. When it, when it killed me to get that right. The message today on October the 8th is this. It may feel like right now. that Jesus is never coming back, that this season is never gonna end, that time is never gonna shift, that it's gonna always be like this. It may feel like it's never going to change and then all of a sudden, Jesus Christ returns. The end will be sudden, dear friend, so don't miss it. Don't get caught up in thinking I got all this time, 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 because, I don't know, I, I mean, I read my Bible, it says that Jesus is going to come back when the world is pretty, like, evil and messed up, and I'm kind of like, I mean, I don't know, and we're there-ish, yeah, I don't know. So these three truths about time are that our understanding about time is limited. God seems slow because he's waiting for you, and the end will be sudden, don't miss it. So I want to just read you the next part. We're going to teach on it more fully next week, and then I want to try to apply this to us. Just look at these verses, starting in verse 11. So since all these things are going to be dissolved, this is the next part of his argument. So since I just told you it's all going to disappear, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So he says, so since we know that the end is coming at some point, since we know we don't know how much longer we have, 
We should be thinking about the way that we live, and we should be waiting, we should be waiting patiently. We should be thinking about how we live, and we should be waiting patiently. So I just I made a list. I hope this is helpful or not. Here's some things that we tend to think we've got all kinds of time to figure out. You could throw the list up there. It's um Are you right with God? Are you one of those people that I meet all the time that's circling around church, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ where you've turned from your sin and embraced Jesus Christ as Lord because he died, because he rose, because he is coming back soon? It's amazing people are like kind of floating through church like, if a person is right with God, the next step that God asks them to take is to get baptized. That's standing in front of, the pe- of a group of people, putting yourself under the water, and saying, I'm with Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized, calmly, kindly, you may not have much more time. The surest indication of a heart that loves and wants to honor God is, I'm going to do the things he, I know he wants me to do. Uh, one place that a lot of people get bogged down is they don't forgive other people, thinking I got time to sort that out. And this is a tricky one in our world today because we have like all the counseling and therapy and trauma-informed stuff, which is helpful, but sometimes it also makes us feel good about not forgiving someone else for what they did to us. And the thing about forgiveness, I've said this to you a hundred times and I'll say it a thousand more because I'm learning it too. The thing about forgiveness is you don't forgive for them. You forgive for you because what you get when you forgive the other person is better than anything that they could ever give you if they said they're sorry. And some of us just need to be like, I don't know how much more time I have. I got to let this thing go. Financial giving is a part of it too. For some of us, we're like, I'm just going to kind of get like two more things set and then I'm going to start being generous to God. I would just throw out to you that he was generous to you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then the last one, and I think we have a lot of space to grow here. There's a lot of people in our community who really need Jesus. And we want to be kind, and we want to build relationship, and we want to serve, and all these things that we work on hard together. It's also true that if there's people that you're around all the time who don't know the Jesus that you know, we may not have eight more years, 20 more years. We we don't know how much more time we have. We have to do something with the truth about who he is. So we're going to sing in a second. Would you just bow your head for a second? And I'm just asking that the Holy Spirit would move in and through us now to uh, gather up I'm asking God to light a fire inside the heart of every person who can hear my voice right now. That the truth that time is short would inspire us to both wait patiently and do whatever we can do with the time that he has allotted to us. Speak, Lord, to your people. Give us clarity about what you want us to do. Give us clarity about how you want us to act. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. 
I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.